The challenges 800 years ago would have been very different compared with the challenges of today. He's equipped with up-to-date mathematical and scientific understanding. And he has at his disposal state-of-the-art construction technology. Now, the builders of eight centuries ago, when that building was being put up, had, relatively speaking, only primitive tools and technology. So how much greater was their achievements in putting up a building such as this? And when we compare our spiritual position as Christians with the position of the believers of the Old Testament, we're like my son, the modern builder, when compared with his medieval counterpart. Right at the end of that reading we've just heard, verse 40 compares us Christians with the folk of the Old Testament. It says, God had prepared something better for us. And of course, that something was Jesus. We've just gone through the Easter weekend and quite understandably, we focused on the death and resurrection of Jesus. But Hebrews chapter 11 is all about our response to him. And the chapter considers our response to Jesus by looking at the faith of a range of Old Testament people. We've just picked out three for tonight's reading. The writer's message throughout the chapter is, if these people could exercise such faith, How much more should we, who have the advantage of seeing God's love in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? Now remember, as we've heard several times in recent weeks, this letter was addressed to people who were being tempted to turn away from following Christ and to go back to their former Jewish ways. And specifically, when the author talks about faith in the first three verses of the chapter, he's referring back to his comments at the end of chapter 10. He's describing a kind of faith which perseveres. That's verse 36 of chapter 10. The kind of faith which leads to salvation. That's verse 39. And so he begins, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was not visible. Now, if you think about it, We all exercise faith every day of our lives, whatever our worldview and whether or not that worldview includes belief in God. At a simple level, we have faith that when we flick the switch, the light will come on or that the train will get us to our destination on time. 
Of course, sometimes our faith is misplaced. But the faith described here in Hebrews chapter 11 is much, much more than that. So what is this faith which in 2018 will help us to persevere in our walk with God and which will lead us to salvation? You could preach a whole series of sermons on Hebrews chapter 11. You'll be relieved to know what I'm going to do is to try to answer that question by just making a single observation about each of the three characters that we've just heard about in our Bible reading. So first of all, in verse 7, Noah. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So the story of Noah speaks to us of a faith which is a belief in God as opposed to the world. When we read the story of Noah in Genesis chapter 6, we read that he built his ark because he was warned by God of a looming catastrophe. So he invested time, effort and money into the huge enterprise of building the ark. And he didn't just fit in the construction of the ark into his existing schedule. He made it his top priority. And you know, the choice comes to all of us, whatever our age, whether to heed or disregard the message of God. In Noah's case, the message was a warning. And because Noah heeded the warning, he was saved from disaster. Now, God's warning may come to you and me in many ways. It may be through a troubled conscience It may be through some direct word of God to our souls. Maybe from the advice or correction of a godly friend. Maybe from the pages of the Bible. Maybe even from words spoken in a sermon. But from whatever source, if we sense that God is warning us, the story of Noah tells us that we ignore that warning at our peril. Now think about it. To Noah's friends and neighbours, his behaviour must have seemed completely crackers. After all, when the sun was shining, who in his right mind would build a ship on dry land miles from the sea? But equally, who in his right mind in the first century AD would choose to follow Christ when Christians were treated by the Roman authorities as outlaws. You know, there was even a day when Jesus' friends tried to get him to go home and abandon his ministry because they thought he was mad. And what about us in 2018? If we follow the ways of the world, we may well have ease, comfort, and prosperity. But if we follow God's ways, 
we may well have pain, loss, discomfort, unpopularity. We may have to give up the chance of the rewards that the world has to offer. Now, I guess we all know about Mother Teresa. She's rightly hailed as a model of Christian service. But for me, the most telling detail about her was this. For all that the media treated her as some sort of global celebrity, at the moment of her death, her only worldly possessions were two cheap saris and a bucket to wash in. Now, quite likely, for most of us, God's way will be nowhere near as dramatic as that of Mother Teresa. But as in the case of Noah, it may be rather different from the way that we would map out for ourselves. Well, verses 8 to 19 describe the faith of Abraham. And if the story of Noah speaks of faith as belief in God as opposed to the world, then the story of Abraham speaks to us of faith as belief in the spirit as opposed to the senses. Our senses say to us, take what you want, what you can touch and taste and handle and enjoy. They urge us to grasp the thing of the moment. But the Spirit tells us that there's something far beyond that. Look at verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. Abraham had prospered in his homeland, in what we now call Iraq. His successful business dealings gave him prestige, and his extended family and his wide circle of friends gave him security. But God's call to Abraham was to journey to an unknown land. Notice that. Abraham set out not even knowing where God wanted him to go. It was only when he arrived in the land of Canaan that the Lord appeared to him and said, to your descendants I will give this land. But then look at verses 13 to 16. They remind us that neither Abraham nor his immediate descendants fully possessed the promise which God made to Abraham. To the end of their days, they were nomads with no place to settle. Verse 13 describes them as aliens and strangers. Now, we live in a highly mobile world. Just want to get a response here. Those of us um, aged over 30, so that includes me, um, put your hand up if you were born and raised in the Aldridge area. 
We're in a minority. Okay. Now, those of you still in education, now, you're not committing yourself to anything here. You're not being recorded. Um, How many of you expect to spend your entire career in the Aldridge area? Yeah, it's exactly what I would have expected. We live in a mobile society. And in a society like ours, it's perhaps hard to appreciate the importance of homeland to an ancient person. You see, at that time, the fate of the stranger was hard. The very words foreigner and immigrant were insulting taunts. The stranger was regarded as a disgraced exile who only stayed in a foreign land because his own country wouldn't have him. Hmm. Perhaps not so different after all. You see, Abraham and his descendants would have had no other human companionship beyond the clan to which they belonged. Quite likely, they would have been strictly limited in the length of time that they were allowed to stay in one place. So what? Well, the writer's point is this that we Christians too are aliens and strangers in our own world. Now, just a generation ago, this might have seemed a far-fetched notion in a supposedly Christian land. But within my lifetime, Christians in Britain have found themselves disciplined and threatened with dismissal for wearing a lapel cross in the workplace or offering to pray for a colleague in distress. And some of you, I don't know whether Richard would be included in this, some of you know better than me that in this era of safe spaces, it's become difficult for Christian groups to function on some university campuses. There's an old song, some of you may know it, which puts over this message quite directly and simply. It begins like this. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. So the story of Noah speaks to us of faith as belief in God as opposed to the world. The story of Abraham speaks to us of faith as belief in the spirit as opposed to the senses. And then the story of Moses, told in verses 23 to 28, speaks to us of faith as belief in the future as opposed to the present. Moses was an Egyptian prince. He enjoyed material prosperity, physical satisfaction, and social honours. But his faith in God led him to reject the pleasures of the moment, to join his own people, the Israelites, as a slave of the Egyptians, and then to lead them on the dangerous and uncertain trek to the promised land. You know, the thing which 
brings pleasure in the moment may bring pain in the long run. So there's a great sensual pleasure in overindulging in food or drink. But the stomach usually exacts its revenge in the fullness of time. Or more seriously, at the level of relationships, there may be a short-term excitement and stimulation in being unfaithful to our husband or wife. But in the longer term, enormous pain will surely follow. Now, one great temptation which we all face at whatever stage of life is to take the view, why should I refuse the pleasure, the profit, the safety of the moment for an uncertain future? And the answer of the Bible to this temptation, and it's borne out by the stories mentioned in this chapter, is that the future is not uncertain because the future belongs to God. So although short-term pleasure can bring long-term pain, the opposite is equally true. Think about that first Good Friday. It looked for all the world as if Pontius Pilate had crushed Jesus. But the verdict of the future overturned the verdict of the moment. I've heard it said that the Emperor Nero once condemned the Apostle Paul. And yet, you know, with the passing of the centuries, we use the name Paul for our sons and we reserve the name Nero for our dogs. As we study the Old Testament in its entirety, we see God fulfilling the promises that he made to Noah, to Abraham, to Moses, and to the other people in chapter 11 that we didn't read about. Yet as verses 13 and 39 remind us, the people themselves didn't always see those promises fulfilled. Abraham did become, as God promised, the father of a mighty nation. But there was no sign of that nation when Abraham died. Moses himself never entered the promised land to which he spent so many years journeying. And similarly, you and I as Christians, we receive only some of God's promises and experience their blessings. So, for instance, we must exercise faith in Jesus' promise that he will come again to this earth in glory. Nevertheless, we've received far more than any Old Testament believer could have hoped to experience. To list just some of the items mentioned specifically in the letter to the Hebrews. No Old Testament believer could hope to experience the inward cleansing, the freedom from fear, the certain hope and the constant access to God, which we as Christians have in Jesus Christ. 
So the implication of Hebrews chapter 11 is, if these courageous and devout believers of Old Testament days achieved so much by faith, when comparatively speaking, they had so little, then what possibilities lie ahead by faith for for us who spiritually have so much? So, in closing, here are specific challenges which I believe our three Old Testament characters present to us. First of all, from Noah. Is God warning me about something? If so, what am I going to do about it? And then from Abraham. Am I prepared to live as an alien and a stranger within today's culture? And how might that affect my lifestyle? And then finally from Moses. How attached am I to the pleasures of the moment? How prepared am I to place my future in God's hands? Amen.